Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money here on KWAM. We've got a program this morning that's got some extremely good information for you, so we want you to stay tuned. We've got Chris Seaball, who will be with us in just a second or two. He's the President and Chief Investment Officer of Advantage Capital. And then coming up in the second half of the program, we've got uh, David Peel from the Peel Law Firm and Chris Ford from State Farm. We've got some great information about what happens if we have a tornado, a fire and of course what we all live around here is the ultimate the earthquake and we know how that can be and we're going to talk about what we need some of the things and some of the things i mean i've learned a ton just preparing for this program so you've got uh reason to stay with us and uh, we're going to be uh keeping you very much informed on what's going on as far as um what's in the economy and how to manage around the ultimate disaster. But let's get right with, because on the phone with me this morning, Chris Seaball, who is a CFA. He's the president and chief investment officer of Advantage Capital, a frequent guest of ours and a very good friend. Chris, good morning, sir. Good morning, Jim. It's great to be with you. Well, I, I talked to you. Good- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I hope it's nice in Memphis today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is actually nice. We're having one of those. I mean, we've had one a very, very mild winter, but I think you guys have also. Am I not correct? It's been it's been pretty good up here compared to last year with the polar vortex. We're good to have that in the back in the rear window. There you go. Well, we I you know Chris, I really want to talk to you about some things because this has been a unique first part of January. Uh, we've lost about three percent in the market for the January so far, and you know that's everybody looks at this volatility thing. So I guess from your standpoint, what you're looking at. 2015, what do you see for the outlook? But I really want to hear what you think about 2014 first. Well, you know, 2014 was a pretty good year across most sectors of the marketplace. We had stocks that were up uh, double digits. We had interest rates were down, so that was good for bonds. Um, You know, probably the only sore spot in the overall picture was what happened outside the U.S. Emerging markets and equity markets outside the U.S. in general just weren't quite as strong as growth is a little bit lower down, uh, lower there, and there are more concerns uh, across the global economy in terms of its trajectory. But overall, real good year in 2014. Oh, what are you thinking? Were there any surprises in 2014 that you look at? I mean, I thought interest rates were going to rise in 2014, you guys? You know, we thought they would go up a little bit, uh, and they didn't. Um, you know, we've been expecting that rates would stay pretty pretty stable and not return to the levels that we've seen in many of our experiences uh, years past and prior to the financial crisis. But they fell. Uh, you know, they fell in the 10-year uh, part of the market, the longer duration part of the market, um, almost a percentage point in the U.S., and that was a surprise primarily driven by lower inflation expectations that we've seen almost everywhere across the globe. You know, when you think about lower inflation, I guess we look at last year's returns were, you know, pretty good in most sectors. I mean, you know, you had a couple of areas that were not so hot. But I guess if if you look at what's coming up this year, I, what do you, how do you 
generally view returns? I mean, are they going to be positive? Do you see us? Are there going to be more volatility, more risk? Or, or what are you thinking there? Well, Jim, we think that the returns are likely to be positive in the coming year, but a little more muted, less strong than we saw last year. And I think you're, you're hinting at uh, some things that uh, we believe in as well, that volatility will likely be higher, meaning the the uncertainty in the market, the number of times we have a drop in the stock market and a rise in the stock market, that uncertainty generally rises when we get things like, well, what's happened in the oil market with oil being down 50%. And then a big driver for us, we think, in 2015 is what the Fed's going to do and how that typically impacts markets. Yeah, I, I really want to dive into that. I, I was talking to someone last week, Chris, and I guess this is the thought that, that the asset manager last year did not have a stellar year, and it was very difficult for the asset manager, like yourselves, with Advantage Capital, to really outperform the market and, and, and you know, to have a better than than the indexes, you might say. Did you find it, guys, for you that it was the same, or, or what, did you outperform the market, or what, what did you see as far as overall your performances? And again, I'm not trying to get you Give me specifics, because I know compliance would go bananas with us on that. Uh, But the reality is, how did you do against the market, against the indexes? We did did quite well, and uh, thanks for bringing that up. We, uh, in almost all of our strategies, we outperformed the benchmark, and we did very strong against our peers. Uh, Those are the two ways that that we measure ourselves, and most asset managers measure themselves. And I think a, a critical thing was how we managed our risk. Uh, coming into the fourth quarter with what happened in the oil uh, sector and how that influenced our overall exposures. Well, I, um, so good, good year, strong year across the board for us in performance. I'm looking as far as your outlook then for this year. I mean, you got some thoughts about what you're, some of how you're looking at, you know, you did well last year. So what's your outlook for this year and what are you thinking from, you know, the, the any factors any that you might see that will influence 2015? Yes. Um, so we think that 2015 is going to be a little bit more challenging overall for the investment markets. Uh, overall returns are likely to be a little bit lower. And the really the three um, factors um, that are likely to influence that in terms of the market are oil prices, um, monetary policy, so the Fed and what the Fed's going to do. Typically when the Fed raises rates or threatens to raise rates, that makes makes it a little more challenging for things like stocks. And then government bond yields. Um, the government bond yields have been very low and falling. And as a matter of fact, well, you probably all know they've fallen again early in this year, and that's likely going to be a factor in 2015. You know, I, I listen to you, and I guess I'm trying to think of our listening audience, and you've said oil prices several times. And the oil prices that we think about are the ones that we go to the pump and I recently filled up my vehicle, and, you know, it was amazing. I filled it up what I was doing this time last year. Uh, I pretty much would have cost me twice what I filled it up this time. So we're enjoying some, some benefits of that, but I know you've got some thoughts and about potential inflation and what happens with oil prices. I really, you said it a couple of times. Give me that 30,000-foot Chris Seabold view of oil prices. Well, Jim, you know, we've seen um... – a 50% drop uh, in oil prices 
actually a little bit more now in the beginning of 2015. And typically what happens when you have a drop that much in oil prices, and we've seen this in the past, we've seen it in uh, the early 2000s when we had a recession. We saw it in the late 80s, um, or I should say in the early 90s and in the, the mid to late 80s. Um, and generally what happens is that is a, you know, obviously you're citing a great example with what uh, energy costs are for the consumer and how now consumers typically have more discretionary income that they can spend on other things. And that typically provides a nice boost. But it's not all positive for the economy because, as we know, the areas of our U.S. domestic uh, economy that have been really, really strong leading up to this point have been a lot of the areas where um, uh, we know we've been exploring for oil and extracting oil, North Dakota, Texas. And so there's going to be a, a, a yin to that yang, um, and that's going to be that those companies are going to have a lot more of a struggle and the employment base that they have that has extended our economic growth is going to be a little bit more challenged. Now, overall, it's a net positive. Um, if we have lower oil prices and lower energy prices in general, it's a net positive. But it's not going to be a simple uh, direct move. And as a matter of fact, thus far, one of the things that's been a little interesting is we haven't quite seen the consumers really take up the mantle of spending that savings that they've had. And I can talk about that a little bit later. But it's one of the sectors that we're looking to uh, we're looking actively to see how they're going to follow through, but we haven't seen it yet in things like retail sales. Mm. You know, I guess the the thought is everybody seems to say, you know, they're thinking, and you talk to other people, that oil prices going down is a good thing. Uh, they can't stay down. They are coming back. Do you have an idea? Have you guys thought about, is there, are they coming back when the summer, when we start seeing summer with more demand? Or, or are we talking about this low oil price for 12 months, 18 months, two years? You're Again, what are, your, what are you guys thinking about that? Well, um, oil prices were up a little over $100, $107 back in June. And I think getting back to that level is probably unlikely for some time. And you've seen over the last few days that oil prices have been very volatile. You know, as a matter of fact, I think it was up on Wednesday, up as much as 10%. Um, and then we're down again the next day. So we're we're at a point here, I think, where... We're really trying to find the natural level of pricing that would balance supply and demand. Um, and so I think this oil price is going to stay volatile for a little while until we settle this out. We could see oil prices rising, um, but we don't expect them to rise a significant amount, or at least it's not part of our planning that they're going to rise a significant amount. Um, naturally, what will happen with oil prices, because the fracking and uh, exploration is driven primarily by uh, the U.S. Uh, E&P companies, is that as they take down their rigs and idle their rigs, supply will come down relatively quickly, but it's not something that will come down by this summer, and that should balance the supply and demand conditions and then return oil prices back to where we were uh, expecting them to be or where we where we were um, experiencing them 
in the first half of 2014. Okay, so for traveling purposes this year, we need to realize that we're probably going to have a continuation of this low price at the oil, at the gas pump for for the summer. That's a good thing for us. And if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Chris Seaball. He is the Chief Investment Officer, President and Chief Investment Officer of Advantage Capital, a frequent guest of ours. You're listening to KWAM 990 Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, your host. We've got a program. Uh, we're really trying to find out what the interest rates are. That's my question that I'm going to ask when we come back after this break, is what is interest rates? Where are we headed with interest rates? And I mean, it is a question that's so many people think about. It's, it deals with our bond portfolios. So should we know? I mean, should we begin to say that interest rates are going to definitely go up? Well, we're going to find that out from Chris Seaball when we come back right after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Chris Seaball, Chief Investment Officer of Advantage Capital Management, President and Chief Investment Officer, and a frequent guest of ours. And we've been talking about the economy and surprises in 2014 and some things that he thinks are looking good for 2015. Uh, more volatility. Boy, we've been hearing that. More volatility, you know, a little more risk. So when you think about your investment portfolio, you got to put some of that little shock absorber in it because uh, this year year 2015 may have a little bit more of the shocking going on but for some people that are doing a great job we've got an update on our investment competition between germantown baptist and briar crest germantown baptist listen to me germantown high school and briar crest uh, briar crest uh, high school the two schools got a hundred thousand dollars in virtual cash four weeks ago four more weeks to go and they've been investing this money they're going to get a five hundred dollar gift certificate to them to the winning class there's four classes at germantown high school and one class at briar crest and right now germantown number four the fourth period class is le- leading with an overall return better than everybody else of 70 basis points. Their market value is 57000 Their portfolio value is $100,701. So these students are learning to be investment advisors and learning to be, in fact, Chris, I want to have you come down and speak to them and tell them what you know about investing. These guys are doing a great job. They're young CFAs, guy, becoming, from these teachers' standpoint, it's going to be a grade for them. So uh, they're excited, and we're excited to sponsor that. It's the two competitions between Germantown High School and Briarcrest High School. So we'll have a teacher with us next week and a couple of students just to kind of get that midpoint update for what they're doing. My guest, Chris Seaball, Chief Investment Officer and President of Advantage Capital. Chris, I really kind of, you know, you talk about interest rates, and I am interested because so many people have migrated to a bond portfolio because they're still doubting some of this movement that we've seen with the market for the last five years, and so somewhat skeptical. What about interest rates? Rising interest rates sometimes, or most of the time, damage bond portfolios. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of interest in bond portfolios as well, whether it be individual portfolios or mutual funds. Um, investors in general want that security and safety. And there's always concern because interest rates are low that at some point they they need to rise and maybe go back to the levels that many of us are used to back in early 2000s and even prior to that. But we think that there's a, a real good chance that rates are going to stay low here. And as we've seen early in this year, um, interest rates actually headed lower. Now, let me talk about a, little, a couple of the dynamics. Uh, generally, when we have growth in the U.S. that's improving, that usually is connected with rising interest rates. Uh, this time, right now, we've had some really nice growth more recently in 2014, in the later stages of 2014. And even today, if you look at the non-farm payroll numbers, the uh, unemployment, or I should say the employment picture coming out, real strong results uh, across our economy in the U.S. Uh, with jobs growing uh, over this last three-month period now, stronger than they have in the last, in any period in the last um, 17 years. So real strong results. But interest rates aren't going, down, aren't going up. They're going down. And what's happening is we're, being, we're getting a lot of influence by what's happening on the global stage. Oil's a little bit of a, a part of that. As oil goes down, then the expectations for inflation go down, and that has an impact on interest rates. But also, because growth is so low in Europe and elsewhere in the world, and their inflation levels are even lower than ours, that that's drawing their interest rates down and making ours look attractive relative to theirs. So the global influences on interest rates are probably the big picture and the big story in 2000, late 2014 and leading into 2015, which we think will most likely persist. Do you feel like then with, with that mindset, you're talking about possibly for all of 2015 interest rates stay down? I guess what I'm asking, what's your investment outlook for 2015? What do you guys sit around the table and you get some idea of what's going on? Obviously, you do it extremely well, but I just am thinking, are you really thinking interest rates may stay down all year? So what's your investment outlook? What's your thoughts about the economy for 2015? We think that interest rates are likely to remain lower um, than uh, most of 2015, or excuse me, than 14 and in, in 15, because of these global influences. So it doesn't mean they're going to stay at, you know, let's say our our main benchmark that we run around with, and most investors is the 10-year Treasury. It doesn't mean that that's going to stay below two, but we think that that's going to stay, you know, where we are or in that two percentage range compared to where we were at the beginning of 2014, which was all the way up to three percent. Right because of these global influences. Now, a couple of other factors that are influencing things, both in interest rates as well as in the market, talked a little bit about the Fed. Now, the Fed seems determined to want to raise interest rates. And generally, when that happens, um, it's, it, you know, they're raising the cost of credit, and it has an influence on risky assets and stocks because it, costs, it rises, raises their costs of corporations. And so when investors look out at future profits, they'd say, well, all else equal, they should be lower. Um, we think as the Fed pushes on that a little bit more, um, we're concerned that the economy can't quite overcome all of that, or at least the expectation is that the economy might be not be able to overcome some of that. 
And if the Fed does push forward and raise rates, we think that that's going to add more volatility to our stock market and more volatility uh, in general uh, to the uh, risky assets in general, things like high-yield bonds. And incidentally, what's been happening more recently is the Fed's made those comments. It's actually kept interest rates, long-term interest rates, lower. Mm. Well, I guess when you talk about the Fed, I mean, every investment manager like yourself, every client, every investor, think about the risk when we get into the market. I know you've got four or five things that you look at that are, are you know, would change your optimistic outlook for 2015. Now, you started the program, though. You said there's more volatility, more risk, more bumpy road, you might say, and, and then, you know, put the shock absorbers on. That was my thought, that just, it's not going to be the smooth, steady climb that we've had for the last. 18 months. So what are, what would you look at to say that would change your outlook? Well, so even even in the first uh, four and a half weeks, uh, almost five weeks of 2015, we've seen the stock market move up and down much more frequently than it has on a, on a rate basis in the last two years. So we've had about nine days where the stock market's been up or down 1% in a day. And that's that's a pace that's double that we've had in the last couple of years. So we already know the volatility that, that we're expecting is kind of uh, coming into play. Now, a couple of things, though, that hadn't been in play to, in the early 2014 that we think will um, could have an influence, oil prices, as they stay low, um, will likely stress a number of countries and companies. And they could be close to or on the verge of default. Um, we've seen what's happened in Greece with the election. And while Europe seems to be a lot better than it was two years ago, the debt situation in Europe hasn't gotten any better at all. They just pushed it off and kicked it down the road. And as Greece tries to negotiate a better position, we think that that could influence some of the risk positions in the market overall. Do you, and you, I know you mentioned we've got about 30 seconds. You, you mentioned Japanese, the possibility of some real problems in Japan. Well, if they keep on the path that they're on, it's only a matter of time. They've raised their debt levels since the financial crisis. You know, when we talked about countries that should be deleveraging, by 60 percentage points, at some point, that's going to catch up with them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you just talk, tuned in, I've been talking with Chris Seaball, the President and Chief Investment Officer of Advantage Capital. Uh, it, he, I like what you said, Chris. You, you, out, you outperform the indexes, guys, and always that's good to hear. We appreciate all you do. He's been talking about surprises in 2014 and then a pretty optimistic look. When you say, Chris, for 2015? We're optimistic. We think that returns are going to be positive in the coming year. Just a lot more risk than we've had in the past. That's correct. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you very much for being with us this morning. Thank you. And I, again, it's always a pleasure to have you on the program. You always do a wonderful job for us. Great talking with you, Jim. Thank you, sir. If you just tuned in again, that was Chris Seaball. We have coming up in just a few minutes right after Charles Osgood and the Osgood file I have with me today. We're going to talk about what happens in the catastrophe of an earthquake, a tornado, a fire. I have Chris Ford with me from State Farm Insurance and David Peel, who is a with a Peel Law Firm, an attorney that talks about some of the things that we need to make sure you have with you in case there is a catastrophe. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after the Charles Osgood file and his, of course, Mr. Charles. Osgood.
Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money here on KWAM 990. My guest coming up is David Peel and Chris Ford. We're talking about those things that happen in Memphis that are disasters. And, of course, right on the top of the list, we've got tornado season coming here in the beginning of the spring. you got the fire that may happen that you never – I mean, that happened to us in 2010 at our office. Uh, you know, you get that – Terrible phone call, the building's on fire, or as we all live in this area, the earthquake. And, uh, you know, it's part of what we do in Memphis, Tennessee, as we think about earthquakes. Well, David, I want to start with you, sir, because, uh, you know, first of all, both of you guys, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I guess, David, when I think about the the disaster, I want to deal with families, not so much businesses, because businesses, we talked about that before, and uh, maybe can have you guys back on another time to talk about the disaster plan for a business. But I'm talking to, right now to that person that says it's going to not happen to us. It's going to happen to the person, you know, the neighbor, uh, the guy down the street or something. But how do you develop a family disaster plan? You want to be realistic in the fact that these things can occur. One of the things that you can do is uh, create places to meet, create places to call, but you you can individually be prepared. You can have a kit in your car. You can have a go bag ready to pack. And I'm not talking about a prepping uh, go bag necessarily, but just some medication, some uh, cell phone, battery charger, things like that, things that you can use to be safe in the event something does happen. You know, you talk about that. I have a, a good friend of mine that was in the middle of Katrina when it occurred. And the problem with Katrina was, he said, you know, it, it was like his daughter was in school and, you know, and, and all of a sudden all this is going on. Now, they've been preparing for Katrina, but that moment, it, and it was trying to find everybody, just trying to locate it. No cell tower, no ability to buy gas. If you didn't have a certain amount of cash, you didn't pull up to the gas pump that might be working and swipe your card, as we're so used to doing. So you've got a lot of things in this go-bag. You can use your own imagination, is what you're saying. Just put in it those things you think you might need. Well, absolutely. And if you imagine right now, wherever you are, if all you had is what you can reach, that's the situation. And you may not be able to get back to other folks. One of the small things that you can do is write down people's phone numbers and keep them in your wallet, because if your phone is not working or you can't be powered up, a lot of people don't know the phone numbers to people that they would want to reach out to. Well, the first thing you said a while ago was have a place to meet. Man, I tell you what, that would be a big thing. I'm thinking right now, my wife is in East Memphis, way out close to Lakeland, and if we had an earthquake right now, I would say, okay, how do I get in touch with her? How do I find her? So if we had that place that we say, hey, we will meet here, uh, then we do the best we can to meet there. So I guess I want Chris. I, I'm interested, and I'm thinking if 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 I have this earthquake, not if when we have an earthquake in Memphis, Tennessee. You told me a statistic in pre preparation for the program that you're seeing an apathy right now with State Farm Insurance policyholders and just the normal Memphian uh, or Shelby Countyan or West Tennessee person that is really beginning to step away from buying earthquake insurance. Yeah, I really am. Uh, it's a little uh, disconcerting that I'm seeing the trend that uh, when it comes time for the policy to renew, when they're paying attention to it, because that's when people normally look at it, is that uh, they're seeing that the earthquake insurance is getting a little expensive. So they're deciding not to renew the coverage and take their chance, which is 
very troubling to me. Let's talk about that. It's getting a little expensive now. So, so if I'm, if you had to, you know, it's all about price. It's all about, you know, I got to figure out what am I willing to pay for if I'm the the consumer and the homeowner or the car owner. Uh, what would you tell me to not take to, to keep my earthquake? If you you're my insurance guy, you're helping me go through this. What would I keep? What would I not keep? Well. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of of earthquake just because we live on the, on that fault line. Right. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to us. You know. So you're talking about an expense of you know thirty to forty dollars a month. You know. But when you when you look at it at, at four to five hundred dollars a year, people are saying, well, that's just too expensive because the deductible is too expensive, and I can't afford to come up with all that money. But the opposite side of that is total devastation that we're not going to be able to help you in any way. Not just from a monetary standpoint, but we can't even relocate you uh, while we're trying to to handle all of your assets. I, that's what I wanted you to say. I mean, now let's make sure everybody understands. I have homeowners insurance. I have my house covered for a fire. I have all the things that I think I need. A tornado, tornado whelms through, tears my house completely down. I'm covered. All right. But I live on an earthquake fault, you know, the uh, New Madrid fault. And, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, you know, it's it's here. In 1812, it took place. Now, that's over 100 years ago. So, my goodness, 200 years ago. Why would I even think it's going But people tell us it's going to happen again. So I'm not going to pay it because it's not going to happen in my lifetime. But if it does happen, is there anything I can do? David, I guess I'm asking you this, too. Then I'll get Chris. But is there anything I can do if I didn't buy the earthquake insurance? What's my recourse? You're without recourse. <laughs> there is not a good answer to Come that on, question, guys. other Come than on. there's you nothing. Guys be a little nicer. <laughs> I mean, am I sitting there in the trouble and saying, you know, my next door neighbor's getting his house rebuilt? But I'm, I can't do anything? Well, and you have to remember, earthquakes come not at one time. The 1811-1812 quakes, there were multiple quakes and multiple aftershocks. So not only will you have that initial loss, you'll have substantial losses over time, none of which would be helped with at all by your insurance, even if they wanted to. Wow. Chris, same answer? Yeah, same answer. Well, I think I'd be trying to look you up. I mean, you know, I mean, but but you're just telling me I have no recourse. Well, I tell you, I was a little shocked at the number because uh, we were talking earlier. Less than half of my particular book of business is deciding to uh, re-up their earthquake insurance, which makes me a little nervous because in the state of Tennessee, all they have to do is verbally not renew it. Uh, and I can call and tell them, but I don't have any signed documentation on file that will allow me to say, look, I've offered it and you've you've rejected it. Uh, you know, I guess the next thing they're going to do is is try to fight it in a court of law uh, to try to pursue it further uh, that it wasn't offered to them. But I can tell you it is a common practice, uh, and I, I think it's pretty widespread that uh, we offer it to everybody. We try to insist it for everybody. All right. So now, David, the, he just mentioned, you know, you fight it in a court of law. I mean, I can just see this happening in Memphis. 41% of the people not having earthquake coverage. And all of a sudden, the courtroom is full of people thinking, okay, Chris, you didn't offer it to me. It's Chris's fault. Yeah, it's going to be a little difficult to argue when you have a premium list every single month or every single six months that lists all your coverages. I think that'll be a difficult thing to win. Well, we've been talking about earthquake coverage. When we come back, we're going to find out a little bit more about some of the planning that you can do if a disaster occurs. And we're talking about tornadoes. We're talking about earthquakes, obviously. We're talking about fire. We're talking about any kind of damage. We've had all kinds of 
weather-related damages. And so we need to know how to prepare, how to secure your property, how to clean up your property, how to get ready to, you know, have the adjuster to come out, all kinds of issues. Uh, We'll get into the details, I think, with two very good experts, David Pill, Chris Ford. Chris Ford's with State Farm Insurance. David Pill's an attorney with a Pill Law Firm. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to KWAM 990, the new voice of Memphis. We'll be right back after Rebecca Brazier and a Memphis moment. On September 26, 1933, all the members of the John Dillinger gang escaped from prison in Michigan City, Indiana, in the early morning hours. What is not well known is that the FBI arrested notorious Memphis gangster and bootlegger George Machine Gun Kelly that same morning on the order of J. Edgar Hoover. Kelly had kidnapped Oklahoma City tycoon Charles Urschel and had been on the run for over 50 days before the FBI caught up with him in Memphis. Kelly surrendered to the FBI and Memphis police without a fight. The trials that follow were significant because they were the first kidnapping trials in the United States after kidnapping was made a federal offense. They also marked the first time that defendants were moved by airplane, and it was the first major crime solved by the FBI. George Kelly and his wife were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. George spent 17 years in Alcatraz before being transferred to Leavenworth. He died three years later of a heart attack on his 59th birthday. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with David Peel and Chris Ford. And I'll give you a couple of upcoming events in the office. We've got a Wills and Estate Planning Seminar hosted by Ted Miner. That's uh, at Colonial Baptist Church this coming Sunday. Uh, just call the office and uh, find out more about that. A Social Security Seminar. Uh, that's coming up on February the 10th. We've got another Social Security coming up uh, seminar coming up on February the 12th. Uh, and you just need to be calling the office RSVP to Judy at 901-757-5757. And then, of course, coming up on February the 12th, as we lead towards Valentine's Day, we got a young couple seminar that's hosted by Landon Mills and Jacob Donson. And they're going to be talking about some of the needs that a young couple has with their finances. And uh, it's uh, you need to make sure to be a part of that. Just again, call Judy. And then Finance and Finesse. Uh, that's Terry Rogers on February the 13th. That's a Friday at 6 p.m. Also, all you have to do is call the office. If you're looking for upcoming events, seminars that are finance-focused, uh, just be sure to give the call to Judy Clement at the office at 757-5757. Everything from wills and estate planning all the way down to fitness, uh, I mean finances and finesse. Uh, I like that. Probably some fitness in there, too, because I know what he's doing in that particular seminar. Guys, we're talking about Catastrophe. We talked about a little bit of the problems with, uh, you know, an earthquake in Memphis, Tennessee. But I'm sure most of our listeners are saying, okay, that's not going to happen in my lifetime. And Chris, you were saying you're seeing that. That's kind of scary. It's going to be a real bad scenario if it does happen to a number of people that are not covered. But let's talk about what does happen, and that's fire, that's tornadoes, that's wind damage, that's, you know, uh, ice storms. We've had, the you know, the ice storms. So let's talk about a fire. I can remember when our building burned, it was a 
a moment of reality that it didn't happen to the guy down the street. It happened to us. So talk about some of the things that the person needs to do as far as cleaning up property and repairing the damage. But what are the preparatory things they should be doing before it happens? Well, the the thing that I would tell you to do is make sure that uh, you take the necessary precautions uh, you know, when securing the property and making sure that you're, uh, you know, don't put candles near uh, cotton items like curtains and uh, don't take any unnecessary chances. But the thing on your on your property is we want to make sure that you make a list of the things that you have in your house. Uh, when a fire happens, we, we come in as an insurance company, come and handle the structure part of the amount that it's going to take to rebuild or repair your home. But on the interior, we ask you to, to make a list of all of your things. And whether that's uh, because after the fact, you've got to come back and remember and list everything that you want to claim with us. And we ask you to take those necessary steps and spend a little time in, in your things because after the fact, you know, your mind's racing, you got a lot of things going on, and you may not be able to remember everything that you had in the house. So uh, I would I would suggest that you uh, invest some time. Some time to list everything. David, you have a suggestion from a legal standpoint. I mean, I, I know and I appreciate what you're saying, and it's something so easy to do. Well, it is, and it's simply just to take the videotapes that we all have now. We, I still call them videotapes, but just have uh, digital video of the things in your home. Uh, I write a lot of articles in a lot of different publications, and I've suggested this many times. It's very simple to walk through your house and to walk through your closet and just fan your clothes. And because what Chris is saying is true, you're going to wind up in an apartment or a hotel with a stack of claim forms, and you're going to have to start listing out everything that you had what you paid for it, when you had it, how old it is, all that. That's a lot easier to do when you're watching it on a screen, and you can pause it and fill it out. If you don't have that, good luck. Most people can't remember what's in their glove box. And if they can't remember, can they? Is there? Do they just give you a number, Chris? And, and I mean, do you say, okay, it was fifty thousand dollars, and you don't write it? You're shaking your head, no. I mean, remember, guys, this is not. <laughs> yeah, this is radio. This sorry, is radio. <laughs> this is not television. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I tell people uh, every, every day. Uh, you know, if if you don't list it, it's a claim. You have to claim it. You have to claim it. You have to write it down. I remember when we had the fire, it took us probably, you know, and we had a fairly good inventory of every piece of property. That, that, you know, we inventory all the computers and desks and chairs. And But some of the guys in their offices had a lot of things that, that they didn't have inventoried. And, and, of course, we covered that in our in our coverage. And, you know, it was like, okay, gosh, can you remember? And to the best of their ability, they did all they could. But if you're talking about a video, it's really easy to review the video and just go through there and list it down. And it's also absolute proof because you can track right along with it and you can submit that along with your proof of claim that that would give the underwriters or the uh, claims adjusters no reason to doubt anything you're saying. What about, I mean, I guess I'm looking at, is there anything that a person should do if they, if all of a sudden they had to exit the house uh, for a fire, now they're coming back and they look at the water damage, the fire damage, just enormous damage to their home. Chris, what do you tell them to do at that point? I mean, I, I mean, they've got to secure the property, but how do they do that? I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. Now, the, the, depending on the severity of, of the loss, the first thing we want to do is call a professional uh, contractor to come in and either board up the property or make it secure and safe. I mean, because you've got uh, two things you want to accomplish. You want to make sure that people stay out. Uh, kids, you know, they want to come over and they're inquisitive and they want to they want to look around and maybe try to get in. 
but you also want to keep people out because they know that the house may be vacant because of a loss. They may try to break in and steal uh, or take things that's not theirs because they know that you're not there and take everything else that's there. So you're, you want to make sure that the property is safe and secure so when it's time for you to go back inside the house to take a look around to see what you have. You know, Chris, and when we come back right after this break, I want to ask you this question because I know a lot of people will tell me, well, Jim, I've had my fire or the tornado or whatever happened, and it took me forever to get this claim finalized. The insurance people didn't work with me or whatever. But I've had the experience, on the other hand, that it it was extremely – in fact, it was not difficult at all. Uh, I did find out that the more I was able to give to them, the better I could. So I want you to help me as far as what's our role, the consumer's role, in working with you. You're listening to KWAM. This is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We have David Pill and Chris Ford talking about catastrophes that we all see happening, whether it's an earthquake, a tornado, uh, a fire. But it's how do you get prepared for it? What do you do? We'll be back with these guys right after we take a break. We've got time to look at traffic and weather and, of course, a look at what's going on in the market. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Just again, a reminder that we've got the investment competition going on between Germantown High School and Briarcrest, Briarcrest High School. want to make sure that the Germantown's fourth period class gets recognition this week. They lead in the overall competition with a portfolio value. They were given $100,000 in virtual cash. This is a group of high school guys, students, young girls that are doing a great job. $100,701.47. We're going to have some teachers and students on next week and uh, get that mid midpoint update on how they're doing. My guest today, David Peel, Chris Ford, we're talking about catastrophe, that catastrophes that happen are, you know, such as the tornadoes, the earthquakes, the fires. Chris, we before the break, we talked about, here it is, the fires occurred, you told me to board my house up, protect it. Now I'm beginning to file my claim. David, you told us to video, get stuff together as much as you can before the fire. Chris, here we are. I'm now standing in my front yard looking at a devastated home, and I've got you on the phone. And what is it that you need for me to do the best I possibly can to help you do the best for me? Well, I, I want to go back to, because David made a good point on the uh, on videotaping. So when you get back inside your home, uh, <clears throat> I would advise you to have your first contact with your adjuster to go back inside the home to make a list uh, and start listing, start in one particular room and start analyzing and looking and, and seeing where everything is and, and claiming uh, what you want to claim. Now, I would advise you to make sure that you visit with your adjuster and they know exactly uh, what you what you need to give them. A lot of times the claims are, are delayed because we don't you don't give the insurance company enough information that they need. They need uh, the age of of what it is, what it's worth, 
and and proof of ownership. In, in David's video, you would have all of that, and that would help to do that. So I would just say there's enough going on in your life. I know it's a stressful situation, but please take the time, visit with your adjuster, making sure you fully understand what they need from you, and fill it out in its entirety and submit it. Okay, now that that's working with the adjuster. I, I found out that the adjuster not always is my agent. Correct. In fact, he's not my agent most of the time, right? Correct. So I've got an adjuster, someone that I've never met before? You, most of the time, right? Most of the time you will have that, and, and it's up to me as the as their agent to be there as a resource for them. If they want me out there, I'm more than willing to come out there. Uh, if they don't feel like they need me, then I'm a resource to them on the phone to, to walk them through the process of what they need to be asking the adjuster. Okay, all right. That's great. Now, I've learned something today. The video is extremely important. Now, David, I, you're the attorney, and the reason why we've got you here, it didn't work out. Uh, somehow, I don't feel I'm, I'm satisfied. What's my recourse? Well, you obviously could make a claim in court. Uh, some policies will have an arbitration clause, but most of the time you can make a claim in court if you feel like an insurance company has mishandled your claim. With my injury and death cases, almost all my cases are about accidents where basically the insurance company on the other side is um, not being quite as generous with my clients as we think we deserve. Um, but um, so while that is very common, these type of cases really aren't. Most of the time, uh, what you can prove is what you can prove. And sometimes you've kept your limits so darn low that that you can prove up to your content limit pretty quickly, but you can't go beyond it because you underinsured. And let me make a real strong point about this video. It's very key that when you make the go to the trouble to make this video, and you can even have kids do it for you in the house, help you do it, get it off site. If it burns up, it doesn't help you at all. Mm, wow, that's a great point. Guys, I mean, you've got the number one thing I've learned about is we're underinsuring ourselves for hurricanes. Not hurricanes. <laughs> earthquake, not hurricanes. We don't yeah, have a earthquake. Problem with yeah, let's not go there. I just want to see if you guys were paying attention. <laughs> if the earthquake's bad enough, it could become a hurricane, right? right? Yeah. It could become. So <laughs> earthquakes are a problem. The second thing is the video becomes such a such a good tool to help you when it's time to file a claim. Guys, I appreciate you so much for being with us today. You always do a great job. You're a frequent guest of ours, and uh, we're just talking about catastrophes. If you've been listening, it's David Peel. He's the, with the Peel Law Firm, and you can reach him at 901-201-6013. That's 901-201-6013. And Chris Ford, State Farm Insurance Agent, uh, 901-872-4000. Hey, I'm Jim Shoemaker. You've been listening to Talk Money. It's here every Friday. It's a program we hope that you find to be interesting, enjoyable, and informative all at the same time. My guests, of course, have been Chris Seaball with the, he is the Chief Investment Officer of Advantis Capital, David Pill with the Pill Law Firm, Chris Ford, State Farm Insurance, my producer and board operator, Art Frederick, who does a wonderful job for us, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz, K.D. Brashear, compliance, Jeff Long does a wonderful job for us, keeps me out of trouble, Mid-South History Moment is Produced by Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We're here every Friday at 8 o'clock just to talk with you and help you make the most of your money. Money, 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 money. 
Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.